expect you thought I wasn't going in the, in the pulpit today. Never mind. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's have a, a prayer. Um, just some powerful words from that uh, bit there. We've been thinking about Billy Graham. I don't really notice in that verse right at the beginning. It says, you also must testify. That's the job of each one of us. You also must testify. So, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, help us, Lord, to be challenged afresh from your, your word and to see how we too must give our own personal story of how we've come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, so in our talks recently, we've been uh, seeing how Jesus is preparing his, his uh, disciples for Easter, the time very soon when he will leave them. He promised this, he said in uh, chapter 14, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So what a promise that is. And it's a promise not just to the disciples, but it's a promise that the Holy Spirit will be with us today and forever. That is a fantastic promise. And John Gilbert last week reminded us that Jesus kept his promise. We saw in chapter 20 of uh, John, verse 22, it says, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want to look at who is the Holy Spirit, not what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The first words of our passage is on page 1084, and it'll help if you've got your Bibles out, and uh, if you've got notes as well, you may need to take some. It says, when the Holy Spirit, well, sorry, when the Advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, and we've got these two descriptions of the Holy Spirit in the passage. And they come twice in the passage as well. First of all, it's called the advocate. So the word um, advocate, an advocate is, is like a posh lawyer, someone who's a bit better than an ordinary lawyer, really a little bit more, I think, a bit uh, further on. And they will represent a client in a court case. And Jesus knows that true followers of him will often find themselves on the wrong side of official persecution. That's happening for many Christians in the world today. There's a watch list on the back, which Open Door have produced. It was on the thing last week at the uh, missionary exhibition the, the, um, in the, in the centre. It tells you that in the world today, they reckon 200 million Christians are being persecuted. And the list of countries, the hardest country in, in the world, no surprise, North Korea. That was the hardest in the world to be a Christian. Second, Afghanistan. Third, North Sudan. John's been to South Sudan. I don't think you've been to North Sudan. And, and fourth, Somalia. And fifth, Pakistan. And it goes through all of them. Very, very difficult places where it is to be a Christian. In verse 2 of chapter 16 of our passage, it says, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. That is what, as Christians, we maybe need to face. There it is, the challenge. 
Now for a little bit of Greek. Now, uh, don't panic. I'm only going to use one word, <laughs> so hopefully I'll get it right. Um, I'd say it as parakletos, but I think it, John will probably say parakletos, and it actually means the paraclete. That's actually the, the, the Greek name for the Holy Spirit. And it's got lots and lots of translations, so I'll put a few of them up there on, on, the, uh, on the screen. But in the Bible here, in this version, it's translated advocate. They've only changed it because in the NIV a few years ago, I think it was down as um, counsellor, but it changes. So in the Bible, you'll see different versions will use different words. And the, the other words they use, counsellor, comforter, helper. Those are the sorts of words. I particularly like the word helper because I think someone is a helper. They're there when you need them. A person you can talk with and share your joys and concerns with. Someone who's on your side, like the advocate, there is the same idea as a, as a helper. Someone who will help us when we're persecuted because we're Christians. And as David reminded us last uh, couple of weeks ago, Jesus is our friend. So is the Holy Spirit. He's not a ghost, and I think the Bible got it wrong. It was a King James Version. If you use the old King James Version, it talks about the Holy Ghost. I think that's not a helpful translation to today. The, the meaning of the word ghost has moved on. And we just see the ghost as being like a, a spirit and a, a phantom, sorry. It, and it's not a helpful word for us, really. It's something that perhaps a ghost is something we're scared of. But the Holy Spirit, we're not scared of. He's our friend who wants to help us whatever challenges we face. He's God's precious, wonderful, powerful gift to us as individuals and as a church. So first, the Holy Spirit helps. And secondly, should move on, it's described as the Spirit of Truth. Jesus said, and the well-known verse, again, often not over the Billy Graham rallies, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth, the truth. How difficult that is in our world today. Even the media can be conned into reporting fake news. How we need the truth. And where does this distortion come from? The Bible says, I'll use Billy Graham's ideas, the Bible says, and look it up in John 8, verse 44, the devil is a liar, the father of lies. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, all liars will be confined to the fiery lake. Yet we think a little fib doesn't really matter. A slight embellishment, a little adding on to a story and the way we tell it, does that really matter? Now, James Solomon was a slave, and he was brought to England by his slave master in 1772. The case went to court. The judge ruled that anyone who came into England came under English law. The slave was no longer a slave, but he not a piece of property to be owned, he was now a free man. Do you want to be free? The Bible says in John 8, verse 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
So when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit um, does those two things. The Holy Spirit helps. The, the Holy Spirit guides. And there are plenty more in our passage. We haven't got time to look at them at all. And the only two more we're going to look at, we're looking at the Holy Spirit testifies and then the Holy Spirit convicts. So look up the other ones when you get home. But there's also in the passage it talks about prophecies, prophesies and glorifies. If you want to look those up, they would be the subject of separate sermons. There's so much in this passage that we could use um, in the future. So the Holy Spirit, number three, testifies. And it says again, you also must testify. This is not an optional extra for the super-Christians. So often we can say, well, I'm no good at testifying. I can't do that. I couldn't do that. I'm no good at showing my faith. It's a personal matter. You don't realise how tough it is for me in the sort of job I've got. That's the sort of excuses we probably make, isn't it? But there it is. You also must testify. Testify. Tell our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues. Not an optional extra. Jesus didn't often use those words, must. There are one or two instances earlier in John's Gospel. Anybody think what they might be? I don't want the answer from David. <laughs> Somebody else <laughs> comes in chapter 3 of John. You must be born again. No other way. John 3 and verse 7, I think it is. You must be born again. There's no other way. I am the way, the truth and the life. This is it. That's it. You must be born again. You know, when they were talking about Cyril Regis, and looking at the paper and that, sometimes they, they got to the point of actually saying that he was a Christian. And instead of just saying he's a Christian, they always added on a born-again Christian. Can I tell you, there's no such thing as a Christian who has not been born again. It's not an alternative. It's not like saying, I can live a good life, I can do all these good things. And that's going to earn salvation. No, the Bible teaches us clearly. We've got no excuse. We must be born again. And then it talks about, um, you've been with me from the beginning. Well, we, perhaps we use the excuse, well, hang on. I haven't been one of the disciples. I've not been there at the time. Well, those disciples, you know how long they were actually with Jesus? Three or four years, I think. That's right, David. About that, three or four years. How long have we been Christians, some of us? I've been a Christian for over 60 years. And I know there have been many, many times when I've taken the easy option, when I've not witnessed about my faith to others. All right? And that's where we need to repent and say we're sorry. We claim to be followers. Well, I've got no excuse. So only rarely does Jesus use that word must. It must be important. Must be born again. We must also, the other one, if you want to know, the other one that comes early in, the, in the John's Gospel, it says God is spirit. And it follows on from our passage this morning. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship 
in spirit and in truth. There we are. That ties it together. So the Holy Spirit helps, the Holy Spirit guides, the Holy Spirit testifies, and finally, the Holy Spirit convicts. Now, if you notice on the one before, I put the, that one in red, and there was a reason why it was in red. Any idea why it's in red? Because that is the, only, the work of the Holy Spirit. It is not our work. We can help other people along the Christian faith. We can guide other people. We can testify about our own faith, but we cannot convict them of their need. That is the work of the Holy Spirit alone. And that's why when you start praying for those five people, there will be those whose hearts are ready. The Holy Spirit has already started to work in their hearts. This Holy Spirit has started to convict them of three things. And the three things in the passage, on one more, see if I can get the right place again. Sorry, where we are. Have I gone too far that with that one? Yeah, we kick convicts, all right. So, uh, Verses 8 to 11. Let's have a look in the passage. What it actually says. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because of the prince of this world now stands condemned. So those are the three areas where the Holy Spirit does the work. He convicts people about sin. You know, the world thinks sin. The world, by the way, we, I think I've said it before in, in, uh, in John's Gospel, always talks about the world not being neutral. It is against the Christian faith. It is on the side of the devil, the world. Don't think it is being neutral. That is not what the Bible teaches. That's why it's used time and time again. So three times now, Jesus is proving the, the, uh, the world, or the Holy Spirit is proving the world to be wrong about sin. Sin is not a list of do's and don'ts. This is what you've got to do. I do this, I'll do all these things, then I'm going to earn my salvation. doesn't work like that. Jesus says, sin is lack of belief in him, lack of belief in Jesus Christ. So what do people really think about Jesus when they look at him and see him? These are the comments you'll get. Yeah, he was a good man. Yes, he lived a long time ago. He died on a cross. Yes, he, he was perhaps a great healer. Yes, he was a prophet. And even 43% of our population, this is what our statistic I've just seen that somebody said, they actually believe Jesus rose from the dead. They believe that. That's a good start. But really, what difference then does that make in their lives? What difference does it make in our life? Do we really believe, not just that Jesus rose, died on the cross, rose for our, took all our sins away, rose and he's heaven, in heaven at the moment, reigning with God the Father. But do we really believe he's going to come back soon? Perhaps within our lifetime. 
Is that what we really believe? So that's the first reason. Anyhow, the second reason the world is wrong about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father. The world, again, thinks it's a good life. Righteousness is living a good life, never doing harm to others. I've never hurt anybody in my life. Some people say, I've always done it. They don't want to even squash a beetle or something. Yet there you go. They think everything they do is, is good. Support good deeds. We do our good deeds. We support all the right causes, even though all the things are going on in the charity world at the moment. But, you know, our good deeds will not save us. It says in um, Isaiah 64, the Bible says, again, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. They get us nowhere. If that's the way, the standard we're living by, they'll get us nowhere. Only Jesus never sinned. Only Jesus lived a really righteous life. No one else was good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. And the third reason the world's in the wrong is about judgment, because of the, the prince of this world stands condemned. When Jesus died on the cross, the one who was really being judged really was not Jesus, it was Satan. He had been, he's been defeated through the blood of Jesus. The resurrection means that death itself has been defeated. Judgment Day is coming soon when we will all meet God face to face. Will we be ready? So we can help other people, we can guide, we can testify, but we cannot convict. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Judge not that ye be not judged. So if the Holy Spirit's not already at work in people's hearts, if they're not already preparing the ground... All our efforts will be in vain, so keep praying for those five people. Pray that the Holy Spirit will prepare at least one of them to be willing to respond. So now this uh, wake-up call. This is what we need. We need a wake-up call. Again, one of Billy Graham's daughters in that fantastic funeral sermon, she said, I believe from heaven's perspective, this is Anne, she said, my father's death is as significant as his life. I believe God is saying, wake up church, wake up world. Now I was going to have some loud trumpets around the place, I was going to ask the music group to give us all a really wake up call. This is what we need as a church, to wake up. This is what the Church of England needs, <laughs> to wake up, go back a powerful presentation of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we need. And that really is where we cannot ignore the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I must confess, and I think this is, I'm true of this, probably as many others, that I've ignored in many years, I think I've ignored the work of the Holy Spirit. I know, yes, the biblical thing says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. We know that, okay, but that means, but still, keep the Holy Spirit sort of arm's length. Don't let him get too close. What goes on then? We might not be able to control. <laughs> Isn't that partly what we've been like, I think? And, you know, I think when I've been going through this talk and trying to get head around this, I found it really quite a big challenge personally, because I, th I say, you know, I think um, 
That's what the Holy Spirit does. When we get into God's word, when we look at it deeply, when we understand what it's really saying, then I think as a church, as we also we ignore the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to say sorry and seek the, his help and guidance in the future. Now, we all said, recently said that reaching, teaching and prayers are identified with standing on the threshold of a new era. The leadership of our new rector will be really pivotal in helping us cross over this threshold to develop a new and clear vision. We need all the resources provided by the Holy Spirit. We cannot do this work in our own strength. This is why we need prayer. And will you play your part in it? You can be a founder in the next chapter. If we think of this chapter where we have a new, each time when the new rector comes, we've had 48 or 49 previous rectors, if you look at the board there in this church. It's been a great witness going back hundreds of years. This will be, let's say, the 50th rector. It's a new challenge, a new chapter. Let's make it an exciting, powerful and dynamic chapter. God will do his part, will we? Will we serve? Will we give? Will we live our lives with our whole hearts as we seek to reach out with God's love into our community? And we need to pray that this new chapter will glorify God more than in any other previous chapter. So we've got to be, be bold, step out in faith. All right, now that was, uh, I don't know whether you've ever been there, but that's the, um, in the uh, Hunza or the Swat Valley in northern Pakistan. Went there a few years ago, and I went across one of those rope bridges, and they let, just abandoned one, which is completely had it, and put another one by the side of it. And uh, <laughs> really is uh, quite a thing, but that's the only way you can get to those villages. And sometimes they're right up in the mountains, they really are in precarious places. Well, I, I took courage of my hand. Jen didn't do it. She wasn't here this morning, so I can mention that. But she wouldn't go across. And, uh, but uh, I went across, and I went across holding on tight on each side. You know, waiting on the other side, there was a, a schoolboy waiting to go to school. And I can't think why he was laughing. <laughs> she saw me coming, tottering across the bridge. And as soon as I got the other side, he leapt on the bridge, <coughs> ran across without even holding on the, on the wire. Because he was stepping out in faith. He knew he'd done it before. It wasn't his first time. He was doing it. He got practice. That's what happens when we start taking God's message out. We stop being afraid. Now, are we ready then to face the challenges we have as individuals in the church? Okay, now I did mention TBN. And uh, if you, it actually stands for Trinity Broadcasting Network in case you didn't know. So it's Trinity, which is a really good Christian word. It's a lovely program. There's some strange ones on there as well. Some of the things are rather strange. But during this last week, there's been obviously some really good things with Billy Graham. There's also been an excellent program about Open the Book. Really good. Went on a fantastic story and really great to think of our own folk who do that week after week, go into the schools and open the book. Tell the Bible stories to children. Let them know what the Bible says. Great. And the third one was this Nick Vucicic. Okay, I'll get his name right. It's not as easy to say as Billy Graham, but really he's got a fantastic testimony, absolutely fantastic testimony. And he's talking now, and we have a little final video clip, he's talking in a really tough place about his faith. He's preached already to 600 million people around the world. 
various countries. You've probably never heard of him. Some of you might have done. But when you see the little clip, you'll see what a powerful... And this is a prayer that he used at the end of his talk in a tough prison in America, at the end of an hour talk where he was there just giving them the good news of Jesus Christ. So if we can have that uh, clip on now to finish, and then we'll go into the final, the next song. Sorry. Dear God, we come before you and we thank you so much for your love. We thank you, Lord, that every sickness and disease would be healed in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord God, for our families back at home. Lord, we know that you love our families just as much as we love them. Lord God, we pray for our children. Lord God, we pray for the people that we miss. We pray, Lord God, that angels would surround them and that your salvation would come to them. Lord God, we pray that their souls will be right with you. Lord Jesus, we uplift our brothers here. We uplift those, Lord God, who are watching right now on the video. And we pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would fill this place right now. And depression would be gone. And addictions would be gone. A dependency on pornography would be gone. A dependency of affirmation and, 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 and acceptance of people around us would be gone. Lord, that we are just humbled right now as children in front of you saying, yes, God, we love you. And, and you accept us as the way we are. Thank you, Lord, that you help us to know that we're still your children and you still love us. Help us to forgive us, uh, Lord Jesus. Help us to forgive ourselves of the things that we've done wrong. Take away the nightmares. Take away the fear. Take away the depression. Take away the anxiety in the name of Jesus. Take away the hopelessness right now by your power of the Holy Spirit. Lord God, we thank you that this is not the end. You ain't finished yet. And Lord, we thank you that our brothers would be complete here right now. The people who are up the front, bless them in the name of Jesus. Bless the wardens. Bless everyone here. May your Holy Spirit come and give us a hunger for your word and prayer in our prisons. May there be more revival and freedom in the bars than outside the bars. Lord Jesus, we thank you that nothing is impossible for you to do. And we thank you, Lord, that by faith we can walk and not by sight. And you are a good God and you never fail us. Thank you, God, for these beautiful, beautiful souls up the front. Change the way that they see it, it, themselves. Change the way that they see their faces. That they're a new creation. If you're up the front, please repeat after me. Say, dear God, I come to you today. And I thank you for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. I am so sorry for my sins. I repent. I do not want to live in sin. I want to know you. I want to live for you. I need your strength, not mine. Your plan not mine. Forgive me. Change me. Comfort me and heal me. Transform me by your Holy Spirit. Speak to me. Teach me to pray and give me faith to know you're with me every single day. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let's give God a shout of glory. Amen.